Today's Bible reading is taken from Colossians 3, verses 1 to 15. And it reads, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is adultery. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as this anger, rage, malice, slanders, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, here there is no Gentiles or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythians, slaves or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which bind them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as member of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Good morning, HPCC. It's always good to be back. Um, uh, yeah, my name is Benny, and um, yeah, it's great to gather, uh, but it's even better to be able to um, look at God's Word this morning. So yeah, you can have your Bibles open in front of you, and that way you can kind of follow along as well. Uh, but will you join me as I um, ask God uh, to help us understand his word this morning? Yeah, loving Father, thanks that you want us to know you better. Thanks for giving us the Bible so that we can hear you speak through it. And Father, would you help me speak truthfully and plainly? Uh, if we're tired or distracted, help us to listen. Um, help us to love you, treasure Jesus, and love others more. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I guess if there's something that uh, if you're Asian or if you spent time in Asia, you need to know well is you need to know how to spot a fake. <laughs> I mean, you know what it's like, right? You go shopping and you don't want to get caught out, do you? I mean, because there's, there's a lot of knockoffs. There's a lot of like uh, acid ass shoes, you know, <laughs> fake rollies, all of those things, right? Uh, but it shows that looking like it shows it tells us something that looking the part doesn't mean that you're actually the real deal it's more important than just looking like you are the part 
And I think when we're in Colossians or in this part of Colossians, uh, it's something that the followers of Jesus, that Paul and the Colossian church, were having to work through. Like they were asking or they were wrestling with the, with the question, what does it look like to truly live for Jesus? And just earlier um, in uh, chapter 3, Paul had been facing accusations from false teachers and they were saying that he didn't look the part, that they were doing things that, that weren't fitting for Christians, things like handling or tasting um, things that or touching things that they weren't supposed to. You can kind of see that at the end of uh, chapter 2, uh, for 21, uh, verse 21 onwards. And these were like self-made rules around food, and observing uh, certain religious practices and festivals. And Paul is warning the church against empty human traditions like these. Because on surface, they were, they were looking the part, right? And, and they even appeared to be wise. But in reality, it was just self-made religion. It doesn't really offer any hope of helping people really live for Jesus. It's kind of like those uh, inspirational quotes that you see on Insta, like live, love, laugh, like that kind of thing. Like it, it sounds nice, but it doesn't, doesn't actually do anything. And Paul is wanting to show the Colossian church that they already have the only thing that can truly help them live for Jesus and to stop being a slave to sin. And so we're going to look at that now in, in Colossians 3. We're going to cover it in three parts. The first is living life as people raised with Jesus, and that's in verse 1 of 4. And because they live life as raised people with Jesus, they are now dead to their old way of life. Uh, you see that in verse 5 to 11. And the last part is that uh, because they're raised with Jesus, they live. they have a new self as chosen and holy and beloved people. And that's in verse 12 to 15. So the first part, living life as people raised with Jesus. That's in verse 1 to 4. Paul starts off by showing that they already have the thing that can stop them being a slave to sin. He reminds them of who they are in Jesus. They can live the Jesus life because they have, died and be raised, been raised with him. I notice the past tense are there. And you can have a look with me in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. He is the foundation. Jesus is the reality that the church in Colossae now lives. And this, this theme of death and life uh, is, is a big one all throughout Colossians previously dead in their sin and flesh, but now made alive together with him. Their sin graciously cancelled by Jesus' death on the cross. And so as a result, they've died to their old way of life and now they're raised with Christ for new life. In Jesus, this is who they are. And so if this is now who they are, how are they then to live? Well, Paul calls the church to set their hearts 
and their minds on the things above. That's in verse 1 and 2. Uh, but I don't know if, like, when you heard that, you asked the question that I did with what, what does it mean to set your hearts and minds on the things above? So it's a bit of a strange saying that we don't use. But a couple of weeks ago, I was, was at the beach. Uh, it was a nice day. The waves weren't that big. But you still had to fight against the waves. And you had to work against the current. Right? But I couldn't simply just float along and hope that I drifted back to shore. I think it's kind of similar for setting ourselves on the things above. We don't naturally just drift towards Jesus. I think, in fact, we drift away from Jesus when we're not gathering, when we're not remembering uh, what he's done and who he is. So setting ourselves on the things above, it's active, it's intentional, it's, it's a striving. And it's more than just how we feel or, or what we just think. Uh, it needs to be something that is partnered with action, our mind and our, our hands pursuing Jesus. It involves uh, recalibrating our hopes, our dreams to be in line with what Jesus desires. Um, it's important to know that Paul's not kind of demanding perfection, but Paul is urging as strongly as he can that we need to be actively pursuing this process where we grow as people living for Jesus. It's all of who we are. It's living our whole lives in service of Jesus since we're already raised with Christ. It's setting our things, our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And that uh, sitting down action at the sitting down at the right hand of God is only done when the work is complete. And it's highlighting the, the supremacy and the authority of Jesus that is central. And that's something that um, the uh, end of chapter one really explores in more detail. And Paul is, is calling the church to keep looking at Jesus. And he then uses this to make a comparison between the, the things above and the things on earth. And I think it's important to say that uh, he, Paul isn't making a call that, and saying that everything on earth or the physical body in of itself is evil. I don't think that's what he's saying, but I think he's recognising that sin only takes place on earth. And so to live the old earthly way as a slave of sin, it's incompatible with their new identity in Jesus. They're to be exclusively devoted to Jesus alone. You know, something that the wedding you're going to celebrate today reflects beautifully not only have they died with christ but their life is hidden with christ so this is uh trying to say that it's not just who they are but it's also kind of where they are like you see in those maps in shopping centers or or in a bushwalk and it says that you are here well paul is kind of doing the same thing here he's saying it's a present reality but it's also going to be fully revealed in future. Kind of like being pregnant, right? The baby is very much loved, real and alive, but it's only going to be appreciated fully later after they're born. And this 
in Christ's life, this reality that they're living is true, but it's going to be appreciated even more in a, in a more fuller and beautiful way in future when Jesus returns and appears. Jesus is their current life now and he's their future hope to come as well. And he will return in glory, uh, in power and with authority on Judgment Day where those who are in Christ too will appear with him. Living uh, life is people raised with Christ, a new self, a new creation and humanity. And so with uh, Paul's calling the church and also to us today to live true to that, to seek the things that Jesus desires. And they don't have to worry about not looking the part because in Christ they already are the part. The risen Lord Jesus is their identity and he's their life. And so as a result, they're to be dead to their old way of life. And that's in verse 5 to 11. Uh, when I first got introduced to HPCC, you guys met the old Benny. Uh, the, the old Benny loved cars. Uh, I would get car magazines back when people actually read magazines, joined a car club, went on cruises. Uh, yeah, it was really nice. Um, and I'm ashamed to say I nearly lost my license speeding. And it, it got like the worst point was when I had two cars at the same time that were almost identical to one another, except they were different colours. Um, and, yeah, I guess, yeah, also just a shame to say that how I drove didn't really reflect an in-Christ reality. Uh, still a, a work in progress today with my patience and joyfully obeying speed limits. But the Benny that you see today, he's a new person. I drive now a 2003 Camry. It's uh, out in the car park. You can check it out later. And it's it's the opposite of a driving experience. It's got more bubbles and rust than paint. I can't even speed anymore because it's so slow and old. I, I've changed. The old Benny, he's gone. That's what I was like before. But now I've completely changed. And so I think similarly, Paul is reminding the Colossian church here that they have changed too. Right? That since they are a new creation in Christ, they are dead to their old way of life. And uh, we shouldn't be thinking that Paul is providing a list of things that they can just uh, do or try harder to avoid. But I think it's more a description uh, from verse 5 onwards of the particular sins an earthly way of life that people at the time really struggled with. And I think as we read it, we're going to see that these are things that we still struggle with today. It could be described as a life of desire or a life of disunity. We kind of see these descriptions in verse 5 and verse 8, respectively. Uh, let me read it again. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Their old way of life isn't compatible. And so Paul is using the strongest possible language, put to death. That's just how serious it is. And if you imagine for a moment, if there was 
a wild, rabid animal that just burst through that door there. It's already open, but anyway, and it started attacking people, right? It needs to be put down, wouldn't it? Like we wouldn't contemplate trying to, to tame it, to, to pat it, to, to manage it. And yet, um, I think too often we try to do that with our sin, don't we? And, and our sin is just as deadly. And so Paul is saying, put it to death. This, this uh, life described in verse 5, this previous way of life, with it, which indulges their desires. Uh, again, it's worth remembering that God isn't anti-sex, but he's designed it to be enjoyed in the safe context of a marriage. That's something that you're going to be wonderfully reminded of today. And that sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greeds, they're damaging and harmful expressions of sex for those that indulge in them. This kind of describes physical acts, but then they kind of move towards the thoughts and the inner desires of their heart. And and the greed that's mentioned here, it's not uh, in reference to money, but it's rather an insatiable attitude towards sex where they can never get enough, but they are never, ever satisfied as well. And this is what our culture upholds as well, isn't it? It upholds that sex is the be-all where we're to find our satisfaction. And I think in a world which tells us to follow our hearts, it's often our heart that is the one that is leading us astray. And so Paul calls it for what it is. He calls it idolatry, something that's natural to our earthly nature. When something other than God consumes our, our, our affections and our minds, it's taking this good thing that God has made and elevating it to the ultimate importance, replacing God, who alone deserves that. Uh, And so I think as we read this part of the Bible, uh, it's worth examining our own hearts to make sure that we're not trying to tame our own idolatry, uh, whether it's pornography or a relationship we shouldn't be in or how we just sometimes allow ourselves to fantasise about that person we we find attractive. The Bible here doesn't allow that. It says we need to put it to death instead. And so if that's you at all, please uh, don't wait. Reach out, talk to someone that you trust, um, pray together about it. It's that important. And the second description of a previous life we see in verse 8 and 9. Again, let me read that. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self um, with its practices. These, again, are attitudes and uh, orientation of the heart towards God and others, and it affects our thoughts and and how we speak to one another. And, And often these actions, they're driven by a justification of our own idolatry of ourselves, where we're always the ones that are right, and it's always everybody else that's wrong. And the consequences of these old this, this old way of life we see in verse 6 is the wrath of God. Uh, it's, it's wrath that 
doesn't mean uncontrolled anger, but rather it's the right response of a good and just holy God that doesn't tolerate sin. Being enslaved to our sinful desires instead of worshipping God should rightly mean that we do receive uh, God's judgment and wrath. And I think actually when we reflect on God's wrath, it helps us to appreciate his mercy more and his love for us in Jesus. And our thankfulness for Jesus is increased when, when we're kind of reminded of what we've been saved from. But naturally, these are things that we will all struggle with with seasons in our lives. But now we live for something better. We live for the people that we are in Jesus, a new person in him, right? And so you never, in this COVID era, you'd never in a million years think about picking up an old, soiled, crusty face mask that you found on the floor <laughs> And put that on again. You'd never do that, right? It's dangerous. It's crazy to do that. Like similarly, to go back to our old way of life, which leads to death and judgment, it's just as unthinkable when you've got something infinitely better. Our new self, which is being transformed in the knowledge of Jesus, our creator. Um, and here in this next bit, Paul's not saying that uh, cultural backgrounds or or the work that we do isn't, impo isn't important, but he's saying that it doesn't define us. And the different things that a, a mixed church like the Colossian church uh, would have once been proud of, their ethnicity, Gentile Jew, religious practices, circumcised or uncircumcised, culture and way of life, barbarian, Scythian, social standing, positions of authority, slave or free, they are not the things that ultimately matter. But it's being a united people uh, who live for Jesus, that's what does. That's the kind of unity that our church and our world needs, one where Christ is all as in, and in all. And so this brings us to the last point, that as people that have been raised with Christ, they are to live their new selves as chosen, holy and beloved people. Uh, that's in verse 12 to 15. And Paul here uh, ends with the positive of what it looks like living as God's loved ones. Uh, it's not dependent on their own goodness, but on the grace and love of God in Jesus, who's already chosen them. He's already set them apart um, as his dearly loved people. Uh, let me read verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And it makes sense, right, that God's people are a reflection of their saviour, Jesus. Compassion, compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. That, that describes Jesus perfectly. Compassion being the deepest heart of Jesus from deep within. Everything that Jesus has, he loves. And he had compassion on people who were lost in sin and in need of a saviour, a Christ who is kind towards others. Jesus is the perfect example of humility. And again, from back at the end of chapter one, who in very nature God uh, willingly gave up his rights, his authority over everything in order to reconcile people, making peace by his blood on the cross. 
Uh, Jesus, gentle and patient in his approach towards others. This is to uh, also what the new self should reflect. Um, forgiveness that is to be exercised in response to the love and forgiveness that they had first received in Jesus. So even if there was good reason for complaint, there needed to be a willingness for reconciliation and a willingness to extend forgiveness uh, with one another. And there's this love that is like a belt that kind of holds it all together, resulting in peace. And as the church grows in their likeness to Jesus, the more they are able to live as God's chosen people, serving one another in this way. And the result of this is an expression of thankfulness. More than just good manners and always saying thanks, thank you, but it's a thankfulness and praise that's directed towards God for this new life in Jesus. This is the picture of the reality uh, of the Jesus life. And this is what Paul is calling the Colossians to remember and to, to, to respond to and how those that are in Christ are to live. And it's still true for us today, for those that are in Jesus. So in conclusion, Living life as people raised with Christ, it means that they're dead to their old way of life. And now instead they live as their new selves, holy, beloved in Jesus. The risen Lord Jesus is their identity, is our identity. And in him we are a new self, a new humanity that's being transformed as we become more and more like him. And that was God's purpose in Christ, to make for himself a new, transformed, new self kind of people, no longer enslaved to the old, simple way of life. But they've been saved for something better, to live as God's chosen, holy, beloved people, united in Jesus. Uh, let me finish by asking God to help us do this. Father, thanks for sparing us from a wrath that we deserve. Thanks for life in Jesus, that there is something far better than being enslaved to sinful earthly desires. Thanks in that in Christ we can die to our old self and be raised to life. And please help us to live this new life uh, where Jesus is all and in all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll get Benny out. We've got a good question on Padlet. Yeah. And uh, I've got one just to give people a second to throw in questions as well. I've got cool. one to start off with that I was thinking about. Yep, yep. Um, like sometimes, sometimes uh, new Benny yeah. becomes old Benny again. Sometimes new John is old John again. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you like, or how do we? Think of like how do we understand what's going on there, right? Because like it talks about mm. like it's done, mm. but it's like clearly not done. I, I, I don't know. It, it's you both, tell me, right? You tell me, like yeah. it's done, but I think yeah. it's also a pro a, a process, a journey, kind of where we're becoming more and more uh, transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So we're never going to be the finished article, so to speak. Um, I think that's only going to happen when. Jesus returns and then when they're going to be all that are in Christ are going to be uh, in glory, raised with him. So I think that's the ultimate time when we don't ever uh, going to really struggle with. Uh, but, yeah, I, I guess 
that's why um, it's important to be setting our hearts and our minds on the things above. And, you know, that's really basic stuff, just like remembering who we are. I think sometimes we can forget who we are in, in Jesus and we can listen to perhaps the lies of the evil one or the world. Um, so really important to be um, hearing from God, to be uh, reading the Bible. And I've just found it helpful just to um, catch up with good mates and where you can be honest about how you're going, honestly, how you're struggling. Like you, you don't have to put on a front or actually go, oh, I'm really struggling in this area. Because um, I think, yeah, when, when, when things are in secret, then that, that's where things can uh, kind of grow and fester and mm. become unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I guess like he's talking about one portion of it, right? Yeah, portion that's right. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and I guess you're fighting against people who are saying that, well, if you were a real Christian, you had to look like this or you had yeah, to look right. the part, you had to observe these kind of festivals and things like that. But Paul's saying, actually, no, 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 we don't need to do that. We are already that. And so I guess, yeah, if I know, if we ever hear that, then that's something that we can be reminded of ourselves as well. Hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, so thanks for that clarification. Um, to the to public question. Sure, sure. Uh, and again, if people at home at Zoom want to unmute, oh. feel free. Yeah. Uh, but when is it okay to be angry? Um, so yeah. in the, so yeah. I was kind of, this is a great question because I was it reading is. through the list of stuff yeah. in Colossians. Yeah. Most of them, it's probably like never okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. But like anger is like maybe, I don't know, is it, is it ever okay to be angry? Is it, is it, is it like uh, idolatry or immorality where it's like, no, you never do that. Yeah. Like, as far as you can, you never do that. Yeah. yeah good question. Anger, yeah. I mean, I think theologically, I think, I think there's there's yeah anger is 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 an emotion that God has given us that I think there there are going to be right like in times of real injustice like I think if you weren't angry that would be wrong like if you were say a Ukrainian that's been invaded and you just sat there you know emotionless that that that'd be weird and unhealthy and like wrong I think um, so or, yeah so I think there there's a right place for anger but I think. The, the kind of anger that there's obviously wrong expressions of that. Uh, I think of particularly, yeah, for, for guys as well, anger is a common uh, response. And, and, and so sometimes we probably got to check the, what's motivating that. I know that, that to be true of my, my own self, particularly when I'm driving, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, I think the anger where it's kind of driven from, you know, I'm always right, others are wrong. Anger that causes disunity in a church, anger, um, that's driven from a, a hate of others, mm. for lack of better, then obviously that's wrong. But that's not, Paul's not saying as a blanket, anger is wrong, mm. but a, a, a self-righteous, self-justifying anger, I think, is, um, yeah. Right. So a particular type of anger is yeah. always wrong. Yeah. And then yeah. other types of anger can sometimes be yeah. good. Yeah. 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 No. Um, oh, oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, how do we set our minds on Jesus as we make decisions in life? What can we do apart from just serving in church? Oh, that's a great question. That's a really because good one. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, uh, like, uh, sorry to take over. Nah, the go. Question. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> sometimes, like, like it feels like, and I felt this before I was like a minister. Sure. So it's like, oh, yeah, the minister is obviously his whole life is directed, or the missionary, right? His yeah. whole life is directed yeah, on yeah. things above. Yeah. Um, 
And then me as you know, an IT guy, it's like, well, maybe Sundays and Bible study is correct. But mm-hmm. like how, yeah, how do you set, how do you make all decisions direct on things? But even though you're not in direct sort of paid ministry sort of things. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, by the way, like you can definitely do ministry in two of other things. You can definitely do ministry in a way that's like not direct on things above. Yeah, like, absolutely. It, yeah. You can do ministry that's kind of like all about making a name for yourself and that's totally wrong as well. Um, yeah, I think um, seeking the will of God, um, like I think just remembering to serve him and to trust him, even in the unknowns, I don't think it necessarily means, you know, you you don't need, necessarily need an audible voice from God telling you, you know, Benny, I want you to necessarily do that. But I think there's there's a trust and a, a pursuit of uh, who Jesus is and what what who he lives for and to love him and to love others. So uh, hopefully I'm getting at the heart of that question. Um, so like, and I think letting that kind of shape our direction as we make calls. Um, I mean, for me, like, a lot of it, I still live in a kind of in-between. There's a lot of unknowns, but but I can trust a Jesus who saved me and I can ultimately, you know, so, and it helps, I guess, give me perspective as I make decisions. So, you know, thinking about where I live, for example, or not, not being employed, those things are things that I'm kind of unused to, um, but I know that I can make that decision and pursue uh, something that is, I guess, less concrete because I know that um, my hopes in Jesus won't let me down. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to go through tough times or whatever, but I think it, it gives me confidence to, to step out into living faith. I hope, hope I've, uh, I no, I haven't done, done justice, but I, it helps a little bit. <laughs> no, 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 I think yeah, that's yeah. a great answer. And I'm adding to it, not because it's a, a bad answer, but sure. Vanessa and I happened to have a conversation about this, I think, yesterday. Oh, yeah. Or maybe the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll just throw in, it's mostly yeah. Vanessa's wisdom, but yeah. um, I, I think one of the, like in decision-making, yeah. and you can tell me everything yeah. in decision-making, you mentioned it, it's like consider like Jesus in all your decisions. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's a way that you can kind of make every little thing mm. about Jesus. So it's like, oh, what should I do for, for work? Mm. Instead of like all the practical things which we think about, which yeah. is like, um, you know, money, location, career path, whatever. Uh, Maybe a start is to like throw into the mix as well. Does this help my faith or would it hinder my faith? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that might be one way. And then eventually I think you want to get to the point where the first priority in all your decisions is first, will it hinder my faith? Yeah. And then, oh, like how's the money? Is a good career path? Yeah. So maybe maybe that might be another way to um, make decisions Mm. In all of life, yeah, regarding Jesus, yeah, seeing mind in Jesus, yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully that helps. Hopefully yeah. between the two of us, just some sort of answer. For yeah, yeah. Um, how do we? Oh, <laughs> last yeah. question. Yeah, um, yeah. How do we overcome political differences? Like in verse eleven, it seems like the church mm. is being pulled apart these days. So mm. verse eleven says, mm. yeah. uh, "Here there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised." slave or free but christ is all and in all yeah i think the the first thing uh particularly that 11 is verse 11 i think is get getting at is to remember the unity that we have in jesus jesus is all so that's the ultimate thing that really 
defines people who are raised with Christ. Um, so people, Christians. And so I think the first thing to say to that is to, um, to do it with grace. Obviously, politics is a, um, it's an important topic. People feel very, very strongly about it. People are entitled to have different views. But I think how we engage, you know, I think we can engage kind of and quickly end up in the kind of things that, you know, uh, described in verse 8, where even if we don't say it publicly, we kind of think, oh, you know, how, how could they think like that? They're a bit of an idiot to think like that. But uh, I don't, yeah, certainly um, I think when we love people and we, we value them and when we remember that we're beloved and chosen in Christ, um, you, you kind of want to be showing people that grace and, and as you engage with that, yeah, because you're never going to really change anybody by just, you know, yelling at them or <laughs> name-calling them. But I think with grace and, and, and to be praying for people actively, I found it helpful to be praying with people that, you know, you, you, you don't agree with or you don't necessarily get along. And I think um, God um, graciously does a work in your heart and helps you love them um, more. So, yeah, I hope that, that helps. Yeah. But, yeah, it is sad that, you know, there, there is so much disunity. And I think uh, in the world and hopefully the church can be a place where even when you uh, agree to disagree, that can be done beautifully and, and, and reflect the unity yeah. in Christ. It's definitely sad to see in churches, like, see anything have the power to tear apart the bonds that Christ puts together. So, mm. like, these days, religions, um, mm. you know, whatever, whatever it's been, over, like, every, everything over the past two years has been, like, divisive. Yeah. yeah. And sad that, like, a church could even potentially be pulled apart mm. because of those things. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Ben. That's the last one.